Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh, man. No. <laughs> nope, that's a different uh, road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody. This is Rob Benedict. And this is Richard Spate. And we're talking about Season 2, Episode 6 of Supernatural. It's called No Exit, Rob. Yes, it is. You know why? Because, uh, why? There's no exit. That's a good, that's a good, uh, yeah, that's a good, uh, creative, <laughs> creative title. Um, well, you know, before we get into the show, let me just say, uh, be sure to rate us on iTunes and on the Spotify. Well, um, hold on now. Grade us a five. If you think we're a four or a three, you know, don't, don't, bother. don't bother. Yeah, yeah, just stand down. Yeah. Remember, five stars equals two full beards. And five stars equals two full beards equals two happy fellas. That's right. So help us build an audience for the podcast. Share the clips we're posting on Instagram and Twitter to help us get the word out. And now on to the show. On to the show. All right, so Sam and Dean walk in on Joe and her mom, Ellen, arguing at Harvell's. Oh, yeah, they're going at it too, man. They're hot. Yeah, they're going, they're running hot. Joe pulls out a folder on, on a case that she's been building. In Philadelphia, six young blonde women have disappeared at the same in the same building. Ellen won't let Joe go investigate, so Sam and Dean agree to take the case. That's nice. Yeah, they head to Philadelphia and break into the apartment where the, you know, the, the disappearance happened. There they find dark goo, which we found out is called ectoplasm, um, which I have one. <laughs> I need to have it taken off. This indicates an angry spirit. As they are in the hall trying to leave the building, they run into the landlord and Joe. She poses as Dean's girlfriend and says that they want to rent the apartment and pulls out a wad of cash. I don't know about you, but I was worried when Joe just got rid of that cash that she earned playing poker. It seemed like not a fiscally responsible move, but, you know, she was in a mood to not listen to her elders. She really was. She was in a mood. That night, another girl in the building disappears. Oh, man. Yeah. The trio investigate and discover that next door to the apartment building, there used to be a prison. That's never good. No. The prison would execute people in the vacant lot next door, the site of the current apartment building. The team get a list of the people executed and find the name H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer, which Rich assumed was serial, but it's serial. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's a really long pause to get for that Well, I, there's a delay, and I'm, so I'm kind of waiting for you to, to chime in, because you keep saying I'm cutting you off, but you're not chiming in. And then I'm I, on, Honestly, I'm not chiming in because we are stepping on each other, so I'm letting you go through it more, because uh, it's, well, it's that's, real... That's, that's fun. <laughs> but it created that magic moment. Yeah. <laughs> Which we hope will make it at least to the bloopers. Um after he, after he was executed, Holmes, H.H. H. Holmes I'm talking about, America's first serial killer. Uh, <laughs> serial like like breakfast food? There he is. Uh, 
So Holmes uh, had uh, his coffin covered in concrete. Burning the bones isn't going to be an option. So in their investigation, they learned that Holmes used to keep some of the victims in the walls to torture them. You know what his friends used to say when they wanted to know what was going on with him? They say, sup Holmes. Sup Holmes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they decide to get into the walls to see what they can find. Joe gets abducted by the ghost. Ellen calls looking for her daughter. Dean tells her she's been captured. Oh, man, you don't want to be the guy telling Ellen that. Hell no. Uh, and, and Ellen says, I'm getting on a plane. So... Uh, meanwhile, she gets locked in a metal coffin and is taunted by the home spirit. Ugh. She fends it off with an iron knife. Sam and Dean are now in the sewer beneath the building. They discover that this is where the ghost is hiding its victims. So they find Joe and the previous victim, Teresa. I don't know what happened to the very first victim. She's toast, she, I guess. She didn't fare well. Yeah, no. she was gone. They use Joe to bait and trap the spirit in a ring of salt. Then they bury the chamber in cement. Ellen catches up to them and escorts them back to Harvell's yeah. Joe, Sam, and Dean learned at this point that Joe's father died while on a hunt with John, and he may be responsible. Ba, 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 ba. John, that is. Um, yeah. So, listen. Let's talk about this episode. You really liked it, I heard. I thought, you know, I thought it was really creepy. I mean, you know, you go into, I, I love, I think the Ellen and Joe characters are great. I think the Harvells as a, as a home base is really cool. Mm-hmm. And again, I know where the story goes, but I am shocked that that didn't land longer as a home base. Well, it's really good. Don't tell me. Because I, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're just like, even when you're shooting your own episodes, you're like, la, la, la. Don't uh-huh. tell me. Um, I think it's a really good episode. I think it's, uh, you know, the, the the ghost of the day here, the monster of the week was really creepy. That's and true. I thought the I thought her getting trapped in that uh, box, at lo- that, you know, the, the tomb she was held in while she waited for the guy to come kill her was really creepy and really well shot to be creepy. Yeah. Yep. Anytime you have a serial killer, you know, hunting young women with blonde hair, it's a little creepy. Not my favorite thing to watch. Um, but yeah, it's, it was definitely scary. And uh, great lighting from Serge. Always. I, I tell you, these early seasons, and we'll talk to Serge about this. I know for a fact at some point the network made him lighten the show up. They thought it was too dark. Hmm. I like this dark look way more. I, I think they should have left him alone. I think it's so cool and edgy and dark looking. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also say that I, I like the Dean Joe dynamic. I think it's they're good together on screen. Me too. Me too. Um, no, it's great to have that, you know, another have them working as a trio. It really mixes it up. And it, you know, because sometimes, you know, whether it's dad or Bobby, now it's Joe. Yeah, I love that. Um, and you know, I like I like the through lines. You know, what makes this show cool is that the the through lines that are going on, you know, we're finding more out about John their dad. You know, it's it's not just the monster of the week. There's a through line. That's what keeps me kind of going. We're revealing more about the the greater story that we're involved in. And uh yeah, they're doing some different stuff this season, you know. They don't they don't it used to be like it begins with a murder. I guess this one did kind of, but it, it begins with like the case then they go and they solve the case, but it's just not coming together in the same exact way. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. I don't know. The way they're revealing it is a little bit different this season. I, I enjoy that. With this episode, it did. It felt a little bit contrived at times, but but I really liked the look of it. It was another one directed by Kim Manners, and it was really well directed. And uh, so I'm going to give it a a beard that's a groomed beard. But okay. Maybe it's trying too hard. Like it's it got it has color. Like the like a gentleman has colored the beard. But like not a not a color that matches his eyebrows. You know, like sort exactly, of exactly exactly. You, know. you. Man, that's a really intricate. 
beard review. So does that mean like no you brain. think it's really good, but not great? Is that a fair way of saying it? I thought it was really good. It had really good moments, um, but it felt a little bit like the story. You know, sometimes it just, it all is just, it, it, it was a bit too perfect. Like they're looking down a list of the prisoners from the, uh, who might be responsible and they're like, hey, look, it's H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. It just, it came too together to- Too convenient, too convenient. convenient. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, I, I hear what you're saying. I think I think the dynamic of the characters kind of make up for it. I'm going to go with um, trimmed beard. I, I look, so slightly better view than yours, not the coloring version. Not okay. a full bushy beard, not a, like a, oh man, all, you know, full tilt, massive home run. I'm going to go yeah. solid episode. Good, good, uh, good triple. Good. Uh, tri- trimmed beard. Yeah, I like that. All right. Um, well, one thing that we both agree on is that Alona Tall is uh, is lovely and she's doing a great job and we love seeing her uh, working with the boys. She's great, great on the show. And she did, uh, she was in seven episodes of Supernatural. You can now see her in CBS's SEAL team. She also had huge roles in Veronica Mars, Burn Notice, and Hand of God, and guest appearances on CSI, Cold Case, Ghost Whisperer, and Pretty Little Liars. By the way, I don't even know if we announced to people that we had her coming on. So really, we have a double surprise. Our yeah. surprise is... Alona Tall is our guest. Yeah. Wait, I guess that's the only surprise. But anyway, Alona Tall is our guest, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I thought that maybe when people like are listening to the episode, it says like special guest star Alona Tall. I think sometimes we say it because I know it's on there. Sometimes they're like, oh, we got Alona Tall showing up here. But we didn't. Right. So maybe I'm just surprised. Right. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Yeah. Well, at any rate, that was my introduction for our guest today. And please give it up for the lovely Alona Tall. Let's start with a question we like to ask everybody um, that has the same answer, really. But how did you like working with Jared and Jensen? I'm so hoping somebody hated them someday. If you just let me speak, I was going to say that I hated every single moment. Thank God. <laughs> uh, every. It's hell. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I mean, I wish I could say that because then it would be interesting and different. They were just new spring chickens back then. These bright-eyed young pranksters. They were fun. It was just such a, it was still like the new phase of the show. It felt very fresh and, I don't know, uncharted, if you will. They were excited. They were hard work. They were there all the time. It was still in the days where like they drove in with the rest of the cast. Wow. What? I don't don't remember those days. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 It's before Cliff. Very different. Very different days. Uh, Still the same, same guys. It was just like, you know, that's much smaller trailers. Can't wow. I remember? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So they were they were great though. I mean, yeah. They had both come from uh, hugely successful shows. Uh, I heard about them, funny enough, the year before from a director that I did a pilot in Vancouver, and they asked me, "Hey, did you get to work with the boys on Supernatural yet?" And I was like, "What's that? No. Who are they?" And they were. So word was like going around town about how great they were to work with already in season one before like the show even aired. So I was I was excited going in. I had actually met Jensen before all of this. We auditioned for a movie together. And when I came on the set, we were like, hey, you, hey, I know you. And that was kind of nice to see a familiar face because it was like we shared an awkward auditioning experience together, which is never. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to have with a fellow actor. Yeah. And you guys on screen, you have this great chemistry together, you and he. 
you know, which really plays. I think, I, I mean, I, I would like, I would like to take credit, but I think Jensen can have chemistry with a cactus. That's true. That's true. Uh, In fact, he, he often calls me cactus. <laughs> um, yeah, he's great. He's, he's, he's good like that. Now, really what about Samantha like Ferris? That. Samantha Ferris is really your partner in crime for these episodes. How did you guys get on upon first meeting? She's <laughs> one of the funniest crass in the best possible way, by the way, because I enjoy yeah. like yeah. these. We in Hebrew we call her Balabusta. I, I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> it's like this woman who owns the space she's in, makes no excuses for who she is, and is fabulous because she's she's so good at what she does, and she she took on this role of this like hot mama to, to mother to me and mama to the boys. It was just she's um she kind of was. I felt like she kept the ship going for like the, the roadhouse crew. Yeah. Cause I was like the newbie. She was this take control lady. And then, Oh my God, I'm Ash. Yeah. Chad, <laughs> Chad, uh, Chad, my God. Oh, yeah. Chad, please forgive me for this. He was this like, I'm sure you're going to ask me about him as well, but he was this like insane character that just yeah. had to make things weird was basically his motto. Um, <laughs> and he did it. Yep. That's Chad. Yeah. My first convention was actually, or actually one of my first conventions in England was with her and him. So she was, I met them early on, uh, in like 2009 How did that go? or something. It was hilarious. I mean, it was crazy. They're both crazy and it was awesome. You know, I, I, I find Chad really charming in his weirdness. You know, I really like that kid. Extremely, extremely yeah. super charming. When I, it wins you over. Yeah. Yeah. No, even, and even though he's like maybe a few years younger than me and Rich, we always call him the kid. He feels that way. Yeah. Honestly, if he was, if he felt that way to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I'm older or younger than him. Honestly, if he told me that I was older than him, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. At this point, you might be, you might've lapped him. It's hard to know with Chad. Uh, here's a question for you about your episode. Go. It's scary as crap getting stuck in that box. Like I, I'm, I was watching the episode and you get crammed in that coffin like tomb. Was that creepy? Yeah. <sighs> yes, it was. So I don't like, confined spaces personally and they asked me and the thing is it, it was oh god because I, I don't want to sound unprofessional like, oh i got scared i didn't get scared but it was easy to go to my normal you know claustrophobic yeah anxiety yeah and it was dirty i mean it seemed dirty but it wasn't yeah. look it, I, it was I think it's totally reasonable that you'd get creeped out by a set i know that you know that you're safe right you're like because you know this is a set yes. you know the cruise there but nonetheless shove somebody into a space with a four inches above their nose i mean that's weird that's a creepy sensation it, it, it was uncomfortable because it, also, like, my neck really hurt yeah <laughs> that <laughs> was actually really funny to be honest with you because really? that was it. so they took out that wall they kept taking out you know the wall so it didn't feel as confined because that was when the wall was and then we i think there were a lot of outtakes they never put them in the in the gag reel of like the hand doing things it wasn't supposed to do oh really in frame yeah because it's this dude and he's right there and all and only his hand is you know in makeup and everyone the camera's right there and and that there's no fourth wall so i'm like pretending that i'm obviously can't see anything and all of a sudden that hand comes in i'm just i'm also seeing his face and the the acting face for the acting hand was priceless for me. Wow. Because like, we always make fun of like hand acting or back of the head acting, right? When we do things like inserts or, or when, you're, when you're back, the back of your head is in frame. He did some serious hand acting. <laughs> nice. That's it was amazing. fun. It, That's was, why it, was, it was an intense, he had an intense face. 
yeah. while off camera. It was really fun. Yeah, that's funny. And it was very hard not to laugh at it. Because, <laughs> yeah. I was in it because it's such uh, an awkward situation. Yeah, so awkward. So at the end of this episode, we find out that you that your dad was killed doing battle with Jensen's dad, right? With Sam and Dean's dad. Do you remember that? Yeah. On a, like on a hunting trip. Right. And if, at first, I felt like we were going to find out that you're like Jensen, Sam, like Sam and Dean's half sister or something, because. You know, she was like, it's just something with that I, about John Winchester that I had this history with. So you're thinking that maybe, you know, your mom and, and their father had a relationship. Did you read, did you think that when you first read the script? Honestly, I think that I, if I remember correctly, again, because it was so long ago, so I'm, uh, there were a lot of life changes to this living thing called the Roadhouse crew, right? But when I first, first talked to Eric, to Kripke about it, he did say that I was like a little, that that was a potential that, that they were my, that I was like a little sister, like oh. a half sister. And then we were going to find uh. that was something that could have happened, but they weren't sure if it was going to go there or potential love interest. He wasn't sure what he wanted to do. I don't remember if it was the network. Somebody wanted it to be a love interest, but then it would have been, he was amused by the thought of it being really creepy. <laughs> Yeah. that they were going towards love interest and then finding out that she's yeah. a half-sister. Right. I think yeah. it was a little too much for the network back then. Yeah. Shame yeah, on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I thought it was a really, I mean, playing with the potential love interest, but never fully going there and then finding out that she was a half-sister would have been a lot would have been fun because it would have led right. to like this like moment between <laughs> it would have been funny. Yeah, it would have been funny. It would have been it would have been really funny. Yeah. Um uh a little ahead of its time perhaps, but um <laughs> but that never ended up happening and neither did the love interest thing. So you know, there's that. Oh. I kind of oh. thought I, I I took the bait as a viewer. I thought you were gonna come out as half sister. And I mean I know I probably would have known that going to so many conventions I would have heard that already. But nonetheless Watching the episode, I'm like, oh, this, they did it. And they had a daughter. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah, fooled me. That would, it made perfect sense. Yeah. 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 And, you, you know, I mean, Rob and I kind of bemuse, you know, we kind of think out loud a lot about what drives the decision making of writers. And Lord knows we don't know. But they, your, your character is one of the prime examples of they could have gone so many different directions. I mean, like, and... And they could have been, there's a parallel universe where you end up being a regular on that show for t 15 seasons. You know what I mean? Like your character really is uh, attached. And Roadhouse could have become more of a home-based set. Like, you know, when you watch the season up now, like, you know, later on they had Men of Letters. Roadhouse was definitely like, seemed like the one standing set the show had for a while. It, it, I think that was what it was supposed to be. I remember Eric mentioning that, I mean, that, that, the character was supposed to go on for much longer. Joe and Ellen. It was it was supposed to be that. And back then, in the what now seems like the Stone Ages, there there were the fan forums. It wasn't even like not Twitter, Twitter wasn't around. Yet. Log on. There were forums for the on the CW website or not CW. Was it CW then? Yeah, just. I don't even. Yes, it was CW, just or in the CW. They had the CW forums, and fans would go on and express their opinions, and they. <laughs> I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. They hated my character. No what? way. They, Why? They, I don't know. They hated her. We'll be right back. 
Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. And then everything shifted. That's all I remember. I remember because I was, you know, I was young and newish into this business. So I made the mistake of going on and like, ah, oh, are people responding to the character? Big mistake. You oh, know, it's that, that's, that screams women don't like it when one of the boys has a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they like, I don't think it was sure. you. I, I, I know that there have been instances when like Sam is in love with a character and they'll just like not love that character. Cause they, part of the lone wolf fantasy of the boys on the road doing their own thing, I think drives a lot of that female viewership in a way that they don't want them to settle down. And you were an obvious partner for Dean. You know what I mean? That rapport. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like season two, that was, that was where it was going. Yeah. And, and that, that was, she was brought in there. And I remember Eric telling me like, you are the female version of him. So act, you know, how cocky he walks around and he was all this, like, you know, the bravado of, of, of the Dean character. I tried to have a little bit of that in Joe without making it too obnoxious. And it just was big backfired well i don't think it backfired i thought you were great i mean i I think i think uh you do a great job as far as the response of the viewers it backfired i don't think there's anything you could have done again i think it's all about affection for the boys i think meryl streep could have played the role and they'd have been like boo i think it's affection they don't want to see i agree i agree but it nonetheless the response of the viewers was not was what was intended right it wasn't what was expected it wasn't what the the writers yeah. And the brilliant creator of the show were wanting, so they had to pivot. And that's yeah. only me assuming I wasn't in the rooms, right? But then the, the way it pivoted was so um, parallel to what they were writing that I could yeah. only assume that it was influenced by uh, a show that really does listen to its fan base, which is a good thing. Yeah. For the, the show and for the fans, not so much for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it does feel like that the the writers are kind of flirting with the Roadhouse being a regular set and you being a love interest for Dean. It feels like they're just kind of playing around with it. And at this point, we he they haven't had anything like this in the show, right? They, no. they really are lone wolves for the first season. Um, in season one, he had a girl because I in preparation I had to watch the entire season. I remember saying saying like, okay, so he did have this one girl. I think her character's name Cassie. Am I right? She was, um, you should know. You just saw it. I know. We, I know, we should know. Dean? It's not ringing a bell. Um, You're talking about Dean? She, oh, Rob, it's the one with the, it's the truck episode where he goes back to see the gal and the truck is chasing him around. She's a really pretty, yes. she had curly hair. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that she was like they had like a, a right. history or something. Yeah, the idea was he was going back to see her. He had seen her right. before. They had, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. That, that yeah. was the only time before. Right. But she wasn't of this world. That's the thing. So right. when when Joe came along, they wanted her to be very. Wait, she wasn't uh, of this world. Meaning like a their hunting wasn't it? Oh 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 oh. Right. Like you don't mean she. Bit, you don't like, mean she was an ethereal being. You just mean like. Oh no no no! no. I mean yeah. like of the world of like their their hunting right. world. Yeah. Right. Whereas Joe was like they wanted Joe to be the equivalent. Yeah. Like right. His match. Yeah. Exactly. And and a hunter, another hunter like him. So uh, we've seen Joe a few times now. Up until this point, you could say she admired Sam and Dean. But as her after her mother tells her the truth, do you think she questions her desire to be a hunter? So after her mother tells her the truth, I guess, about John Winchester. Is, is she questioning sort of what, yeah, about uh, her desire to be a hunter? Because this episode is all about her wanting to be on the hunt with them. 
and they lie to I mom think, so that she's there. I think that when I, I'm trying to remember how I approached it back then, I don't remember it affecting her desire to be a hunter. It was more about you finally find people who are, you know, she, she's, she grew up in this, in this bar. She's seen hunters left and right, but these are people she actually got to have this experience with for the first time, you know, personally, she was in the fire with them and to find out that they, that they were lying. It's, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a growing up moment for her. I don't know that it made her not want to be a hunter. That definitely, that's something that's so far embedded in who she is. And it's not like she didn't know, you know, the history of her family and she's seen hunters die and she's seen it happen. So it was more about a, a connection with somebody who could, you could partner up with or have a future with and finding out that maybe that's, you know, when people disappoint you, it just takes right. a toll. Totally. Totally. Great. Great answer. That uh, makes a lot of sense. No, you, you had mentioned, you know, that weird going into the forum, not weird by you, but like how, how, how the fans affection or lack thereof was definitely steering the ship back then, uh, you know, probably still today, but it was new. Like that, the idea of forums was, uh, was very, 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 very new. Extremely um, new. I wonder how much, and this is again, a, a question for all three of us, cause there's no real right answer, but I wonder how, confusing that was for people creating shows because it was so new. It wasn't like fan mail came in and they're like, Michael J. Fox has a lot of people who like him, you know, a week later. <laughs> it's like instantaneous. An episode would come out and immediately there's this response all over the mm -hmm. web, this new thing that, you know, the web. I, I wonder if that, I, I would imagine it kind of put the fear of God in some of these writers' rooms to go, Jesus Christ, they don't even, they don't even marinate on it. Like they watch it and six minutes later, they've torn it apart or beloved it or whatever. Like what a weird space it was back then. Well, that was the thing that I, as soon as I saw those responses, I had a, like an oh shit moment because I, I wasn't sure that they were reading it, but you know about like focus groups, that's been something that's been going on for ages and ages, right? People want that the executives and the networks and the writers and, and not maybe the writers, but producers want to know what will work. So this is not a new thing. It was just a much, like you said, a quicker response that cost them nothing. All they had to do was like log on and see how people are responding. Um, so I, I, I didn't think that it was, I saw it coming is what I'm trying to say. Right. And I think that they were, I think it, you know, just like everything in this business, it didn't cost them any money to get a reaction and to get feedback. So I'm sure that was a, a good thing you yeah. know, for them to, to be able yeah. to steer the, theoretically, to be able to steer the ship in the direction that they, their core base wanted. Right. Well, it hasn't now, slowed you down an iota because you have gone from that show to show to show. Absolutely. And you're like, you're on SEAL team for five years. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but a talented group of, I assume it's an aquatic show about SEALs who travel <laughs> from seaport to seaport entertaining children. Am I right? Can you imagine the disappointment that I had when I found out that was not the case? <laughs> I was like, do I get to give them fish? Do I get to work with a trainer? I'm very much an animal person. You had just mastered bouncing a ball on your nose uh, 10, 20 times in a row and then found out. Uh, I bought like, I bought a, like a suit, like a wetsuit. Sure. Yeah. It was so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I still wore the wetsuit to work. It was very awesome. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. How has that show been to work on? And you work with AJ Buckley, who's a Supernatural alum. I do. I do. I love, I love, I, that was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, unfortunately, like he and I didn't get to do a lot of scenes for a very long time, but I can tell you that recently, We've got, I've gotten to work with him personally. You know, I got to actually have lines with Interact him, with the man. Which, yeah. Yes, which is, he's so freaking talented. He's really such is. a funny person. He's such a chameleon too, mm -hmm. because 
how he looks now and the character that he created for SEAL Team and how he was on Supernatural, or any other show for that matter that he's been yeah. on, is so different. And I, that I don't think people fully realize exactly the level of talent that this person possesses. Yeah. And I watch him and I keep telling him, and I think he's annoyed with me because I was like, oh, this is so great watching you. You're so fun. And he he's very, he, he, <laughs> I think he's annoyed with why why is he annoyed at you? Because <laughs> I'm such a I'm such a like I, I fangirl on him sometimes because I love what he's doing. And it's not that I'm a fangirl, I appreciate him as an actor. Men hate it when other very talented people laud them with praise for their skill set. They just hate it. He well, he's a he's a very uh he's a shy person, it seems, at least with yeah. sometimes to get compliments. Um, but I'm I'm very excited. I'm also uh I'm hoping I'll I'm hoping I'll get to like work with him more yeah. this next season because that would be ideal. Yeah. We don't, we haven't had the chance to talk about his supernatural days. Uh, and that's a shame because I, I should actually ask him. Yeah. We got, to, we got, we got a him. chance to talk to him a few episodes ago and uh, you're right. He's such a chameleon. We're big fans of his as well. And you know, when I first met him at one of the conventions, he had an Irish accent. I didn't realize he was raised Irish and I was like, yeah. what the hell? And it's completely different than the guy he played on the on the show. Yeah. And and then we just we we've run into him a couple more times. I'm like, who is he now? And then we talked to him on the phone the other day. Completely different guy. He was had a, like a southern accent. Because his his character is very Sonny Quinn. He's got this like he's got this accent down. He's so committed. And he's um, you know, he has Hebrew tattoos on him and like in Hebrew. And that was really how I was like, you want me to tell you what it says? Uh, that's how I got to talk to him. I don't know. I feel weird. I love AJ. <laughs> I really yeah. do. But it was, it was, it was one of those like, hey, remember me? <laughs> In season one. I'll tell you what struck me about AJ, aside from all the things you're saying, you're both saying, which are all true, is how he, w- I knew him from Supernatural. And, and I don't mean knew him. I just had seen his work and maybe met him at a con once or something. And then then, he, then I saw that he was doing SEAL Team and he was the size of a fucking bread truck. And I'm like, what? he'd been this scrawny nerd. And yeah. then he was just uh-huh. a just a brick shit house. And I was yeah. like, good Lord, that's a transformation. It's uh, if you notice, that's a trend. I don't know if you've wa- if you've ever watched SEAL Team, but that's kind of been a trend with all the boys there. And I kind of feel like it was a trend for the, for, for Jensen and Jared there for a while. Do you, do you remember when they had the workout truck? Yeah. Oh yeah. On set? Yeah. And those boys that, but, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it was, it was terrifying to watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also kind of exciting. <laughs> but you couldn't take your eyes <laughs> off them. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm aware. Um, it's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's a curse for them. I feel terrible. Same thing with the SEAL team boys. They've like, there's jokes being written about their shirts being too small on them now because <laughs> they've all like gotten twice as big, I think. Well done, big. SEAL team guys. Well, yeah. you got to be fit to work with those sea creatures. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to, they'll slip it's out of your hands. Yeah. Rowdy. Yeah, Rich, you and I should uh, have a spinoff called Goldfish Team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as long as it's not starfish team. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot um, of jokes there. We'll let those uh, we'll let those jokes sit right there on the ground and not pick them up. Uh, it's so great you. to have you. Thank Thanks you for, for coming and having this conversation with us. Really happy to talk to you and yeah, for me, great. finally to meet you. 
and, uh, you know, to meet another member of the Supernatural family. I'm, I was very excited to, to, to get a chance to talk to you guys. I really, I, I also am a huge fan of your of your work on the show because I've actually seen it. Oh, awesome. Every night before I go to bed. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, I am really grateful that, that, uh, that you asked me to come and chat. It's been, yeah, it's been thank fun. You. And any chance I get to like, interact with uh with anything that has to do with the supernatural world i i, I do it in a heartbeat because well, the fans have been so amazing well good because we're gonna have you back so thank you for uh for enjoying this process yes <laughs> <laughs> nailed it thank you thank guys. you so much what a treat ahoy rich spade here hope you're enjoying the episode but we got to pull over for a second for some messages Thanks for listening. Now back to the episode. What a great interview. Yeah. Yeah. By us. You and I are so talented. No. <laughs> what a great what a great person to interview. interview. What a, what a what a I mean gosh. I mean, we don't know her that well and now I'm I'm a big fan. She's a yeah. <laughs> such a lovely and bright spirit and uh, obviously very talented, but what She's a really great. what a yeah. open and uh, fun person to talk to. Yeah, sometimes when I talk to actors, uh, you know, especially someone like that, I go, oh, no wonder she works all the time. She's, you know, she's positive. She's open. She's professional. She's uh, enthusiastic and a, and a real uh, uh, great personality. Really love and incredibly her. talented. Incredibly yeah. Talented. Yeah. She was great. And uh, what was I, I was going to say, there's something that she said in the interview where I was like, oh, I got to ask about that. Ah, oh, shoot. Oh, I can't remember. I should have written it down. Great, great segue, Rob. Thank you. Let's cut that out, guys. No, it's just magic. And do not cut that. You cut that out, Trey, I quit. Um, uh, cut to the next episode. Hey guys, it's just Rob Benedict. <laughs> it's Rob Benedict and sock puppet. Um, it was something about what, what happens, I guess. Yeah, I guess I don't know what happens. So I don't know when they stop going to Harvell's. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know I guess when. we'll find out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's great. And, uh, just another terrific guest star in the supernatural library. And, you know, guest star, but. High impact player who shows up many times. That's what I meant when I said guest. I mean, I'm just saying Supernatural is really good at doing that. Most shows, I mean, I just think Supernatural, especially the first five years, built this unbelievable roster of Mm -hmm. guest stars. You know, what they didn't do by having a guest, sorry, a a large regular cast, they made up for by having like the world's strongest guest cast. The recurring cast. Yeah, yeah, the recurring cast. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Really unique, really unique design because you know you roll the dice doing that that they're not going to be available. Like Missouri Mosley, you know they ended up becoming up right. with, with Jim Beaver's character because Missouri Mosley went on to do something else. And and then and yeah, it's just interesting. I, Jeffrey Dean Morgan kind of made comment that like he would have done more, but for the fact that he ended up doing other things. So you know w- that model of don't put them on contract. Let's just call them up and see if they're available is I guess risky, but it paid off for supernatural. Yeah. And the other thing that they do in the writing of it is they kind of leave it open-ended. So they cast these roles. I think everyone we talked to who was recurring didn't quite know they were going to be recurring at first. Uh, certainly that's the case for me and you, but every, everybody. Um, and so they leave it open-ended. So if they cast the dud, they could, you know, re change the direction a little bit, but, um, yeah. But yeah, they wound up casting in it is is terrific and you know, really great actors and uh and it turns out great people. For sure. Absolutely. Agreed. Let's talk about this ep- the uh, mythology behind this episode in a section we like to call mythology. Mythology, mythology, mythology. 
Herman Webster Mudgett, a.k.a. Dr. Henry Howard Holmes, is actually a mass murderer that lived from 1861 to 1896. He confessed to 27 murders. However, some of the people he confessed to killing were still alive. That is incredibly clever. Talk to me about that one, Rich. Because you're like, I've killed so many people, you'll never catch me. Like, sir, everybody you've confessed to killing is standing in this room. They're all alive. Yes, exactly as I planned. <laughs> like, maybe it, maybe he wasn't a serial killer. Maybe he was just a nutbag. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, that's, for some reason, that's not very scary. Oh, he's just the world's worst murderer. Yeah, he's the world's best chef, but most of the things he made, <laughs> he actually never made. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. He did, oh in, he did indeed build a murder castle, quote unquote, in Chicago to carry out the crimes. Oh, well, then that's, you know, then there you go. Look, he, at, the, at the end of the day, he's definitely guilty of being a creep, one world-class creep. Much of the lore surrounding the site are likely due to sensational journalism or lies from Holmes. Well, that, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, he's, he's writing his own story. I don't like it. He, he often lied or shared contradictory accounts of things. Shortly after his capture, the building was burned down by an arsonist. Interesting story about the arsonist. The arsonist claimed to have burned down 27 buildings, yet half the buildings he claimed to have burned down were still standing. Still standing. Um, I thought what was interesting is uh, the murder castle he built. Uh, he was a lover of dogs, and he had a murder doghouse uh, attached to the murder Aww. castle for his little hound. Right. <laughs> That's the weirdest story we've ever shared. It makes no <laughs> sense. I've, I've, lear I've, I've learned less from reading it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had a murder tool shed. Right, right oh gosh! Right. Yeah, I, I, more. I, I actually one time I had a Fourth of July party at his murder pool. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Tell us more, Rich. I'm just saying, there's more about this nitwit. Tell us. Oh, he was also a known grave robber, selling cadavers to medical schools. He was well. I guess he wasn't a known grave robber because they knew that they had a serial killer offering them a cadaver and they bought it. Then I guess those institutions of education are suspect as well. Um, he was also known to commit insurance and real estate fraud and horse theft. This guy was a jackass. A really, what a turd. Really decent fella. The Pinkerton National Detective Agency finally captured him in Boston. Well, it sounds like that he left a trail of crimes that a moron could have followed. Good Lord. Don't pat yourself on the back, Pinkerton. Jesus. He was executed at 34 years old in Philadelphia by hanging, and his body was buried in concrete so that no one could desecrate his corpse or deter grave robbers. So that no one could desecrate his corpse and no one could deter grave robbers? Again, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, you're saying that they buried his body in concrete so that no one would desecrate his corpse and it would deter grave robbers. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. That makes Because that made no sense the way it was written. It said no one would desecrate his corpse or deter... No one would deter grave robbers. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so the grave robbers flocked. Well, welcome to our grammar nerd section of the program. This dude did all this by 34. That's the one thing I'll give him. He really had a crap life filled with, you know, useless acts of nothingness. But he did it all by 34. So kudos to him for cramming it in early. Um, well, one of the mortuary photos is of Elizabeth Stride, a victim of Jack the Ripper. There are those that speculate H.H. H. Holmes was also Jack the Ripper. Let me tell you something. No, he was not. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. Look, I don't know Jack the Ripper. I've never met Jack the Ripper, but this man was no Jack the Ripper. No. <laughs> this guy was Jack the Ripoff. Exactly. <laughs> He's a fucking con artist and fraud. <laughs> by, by the way, Jack the Ripper must be like, you thought I was who? <laughs> oh, What? Oh, man, no. Um, <laughs> is this guy, 
like Jack Tripper is going like, okay, <laughs> let me just say from the grave, all the ladies that I sliced open from stem to stern were sliced open from stem to stern. They didn't up walking around. They weren't, you know, walking around with no scarring on them. Like I didn't make stuff up. I'm Jack the freaking Ripper. Man. Okay. Uh, so, and by the way, was this guy he set in England? Was this no? For some Chicago. reason, I I didn't know where's he where's he based? Chicago. His murder mansion was in Chicago. Well, then why the hell would they think he's Jack the Ripper? Jack the Ripper is England. None of these facts make sense, Rich. Which leads me to our next our next uh, section. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. I'm laughing already. Fun facts. This episode is named after a French play about three strangers trapped in a room in hell. Yes, it's a, uh, I believe it's a- uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre, and the, and the, the, we had to read it in French class, and the French title was Huit Clos. Oh, so yeah? I saw, yeah. Huh. Um, yes, the, this is the first time four people are in the Impala. Hey, that is a huh. fun fact. Jared and Jensen were ro- joking around, and some of the crew members got pushed in the water during one of the sewer scenes, including director Kim Manners. In revenge, Kim rearranged the schedule so that at the end of the shoot day, there would be a shot where Jared and Jensen had to crawl down a hole into a sewer with no way out. As the two were climbing down the hole, Manners grabbed two five-gallon buckets of water down the hole, soaking the actors. This can be seen in the season two outtakes reel. I awesome. I did not know that. I didn't know it, but I'm glad it happened. What? When was there water in the sewer scene? I don't remember. I don't remember that. I guess there must have been water as they were walking. As they were walking. Oh. oh, well. Well, we learned a lot, and yet we learned nothing on this uh, post section. I'll tell you what. I loved every minute I spent with Alone at All. I resent every minute I spent uh, with reading the, the mythology, which I think is, I think the mythology is all mythical, all made up. I give this episode a mustache. <laughs> I, I give this podcast episode? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was great. It was great to to finally meet Alona Tall. I've heard a lot about her. She's one of those people in the convention circuit where a lot of you guys have met her, and I and I still never had. She's a, a legend in the world of supernatural because she was on. You know, she's one of the first recurring characters yeah. um, involved with the boys. So it was fun to talk to her. Oh yeah, so fun. Catch us on the next one, guys. And in the meantime, tell your friends. Yeah, that we're a podcast. <laughs> Well said, Rob. Way to go with the hard sell. <laughs> this episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Alona Tall as Joe Harvell, Samantha Ferris as Ellen Harvell, Andrea Brooks as Katie Burns, and Lisa Marie Karuk as Teresa Ellis. No Exit was written by Matt Witten, directed by Kim Manners. Edited by David Ekstrom. Music by Christopher Lennertz. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Surrender by Cheap Trick. Cold as Ice by Foreigner. This episode originally aired on November 2nd, 2006. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. Guest stars include Alona Tall as... <laughs>
<laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I have COVID. He does. Shortly after his capture of the build, shortly after, after. <laughs> we needed a section called, who made this shit up? <laughs> oh man, that was funny. Story Mill Media. 